Welcome to Farm Chica, the podcast dedicated to providing a holistic model for promoting sustainable lifestyles and ways to engage in traditional methods of homesteading. Join me, Rene Delgado Riley, a native-born New Mexican, as I share how I respect Mother Nature through easy-to-apply tips that anyone can do. Through this podcast, I hope to inspire you to tap into your ancestral roots and live a more traditional, simple life that focuses on sustainability and respect to the earth. So join me as I share 20 to 30 minute tips that anyone can do. because we have a guest today for the first time. So as you all know, holistic wellness is a value that I have. And when I started making this podcast a few months ago, it was designed to inspire you to live more connected to your ancestral roots, nature, and just be more excited about sustainability. So let's welcome our guest, uh, Bob. So Bob, tell me a little bit about you. Who are you? Oh, my name is Bob Clayton, and I, um, you know, for work, I, I work as an, uh, a database developer for the government, and um, there's other things that I do besides that, so I, I like to perform stand-up comedy, I play music, I play a bunch of different instruments, and have a little recording business called Best Backing Tracks, where I've put together music for musicians to play along with to get better. So music is, is something I'm very passionate about, and um, I've been a vegetarian, nearly a vegan, for 32 years. So I haven't, eat, I have not eaten meat in 32 years. Um, and when I was married, you know, we adopted uh, two kids from foster care, so that's a big part of my story too. Um, and currently, I'm divorced and uh, just, uh, you know, kind of moving on to the next chapter of my life and just trying to enjoy it. Well, you better not listen to my future podcasts and raising backyard game. <laughs> <laughs> but at any rate, so remember the days when you'd go to the drugstore and pick out any kind of beauty products or any kind of products you need? It used to be just a few brands, but nowadays, have you noticed the overwhelming amount of selection? And sometimes just going in the store to buy like any kind of products, beauty, skin, or whatever that may be, is overwhelming. It's exhausting. And then there's questions about, was this tested on animals? Is this healthy for our environment? Is it biodegradable? So how are we supposed to keep up with all these trends and all the hours spent researching the internet, trying to figure out what's really healthy? So why not make your own beauty and skincare products? And so this is how Bob and I started getting um, started on this idea is he reached out to me because of your homemade deodorant. So Bob, random homemade deodorant. Well, I'm glad you're wearing deodorant, first of all. But yes. let's let's hear a little bit about your homemade deodorant story here. Yeah, you know, um not every vegan is opposed to wearing deodorant. <laughs> I um so I was having some like I've got I've got kind of sensitive skin. And I was having some problems a few years ago um, with deodorant kind of irritating my underarms. And so I tried a bunch of different brands, including all the environmentally friendly ones. I've been using environmentally friendly brands for a long time. 
Um, Where do you find those at? Like, just when you go to the grocery store, it'll just it'll just say like aluminum free. And there's brands like I think Queen Helene is one of them. There's Tom's. And I was kind of working my way through the different brands, and you know, because it had been a long time since I used one of the you know the mainstream brands that that don't that aren't environmentally friendly and that have chemicals and stuff like that in. But even these other products were like irritating my skin, and I was also noticing that by midday I wasn't smelling as <laughs> fresh as I was in the morning. And how would you like to sniff? Or <laughs> <laughs> it, it becomes fairly obvious. Like you don't have to jam your nose down there to, to notice. But um, I like to smell good. You know, I like to take showers and and look good and smell good. So um, I mentioned that to this friend of mine who's like really into home studying, and she said, "Oh." I'll just make you some deodorant. And up to that point, honestly, I'd never even thought of the idea of making something like that. I'd never heard of anybody making deodorant. I didn't know you could actually do it. It would have never occurred to me on my own to do that. So I was like, okay, let's try it. And so she made me this, she gave me this little jar, mason jar, of course, of, of deodorant. And she said, oh, just scoop some out on your finger and put it under your arms. And, and uh, <laughs> So that's a different experience. Let's talk about the consistency because, like, historically, deodorants always come in this, like, at least since I've been alive, deodorants always come in, like, this tube where you roll up and, you know, you put it on your underarms. Like, was this, like, a weird transition for you to, like, dip your fingers in this and, like... (laughs) It was different, Um, but I was kind of excited to try something because at this point, my my skin was was really irritated and I was exhausted all the products out there, and so... Um, and just quick, and quick um, follow up, real quick before you move on. I apologize, Bob, for in, um, interjecting. Yeah. But just for some folks who are listening, in terms of like you had mentioned that your skin was really sensitive. Like, had this like what what did you start to notice? Just because maybe folks don't even understand that they might actually be allergic to some of this aluminum based deodorant. Well, I noticed it quite a while ago, actually, quite a few years ago, um, when, when I was using more mainstream. Um, deodorant brands and I can't you know it's been so long since I've used those I can't remember any of the brand names but uh, I remember a long time ago somebody mentioned to me oh like that has Old Spice old something like that <laughs> yeah I don't yeah I don't think I use Old Spice but probably Right Guard <laughs> I guess was one of them and um, probably even the aerosol can that just you know half of it goes up your nose <laughs> but um, who knows so uh, then I at some point, somebody said, you know, those those products have aluminum in them, and it's really bad to put aluminum under your arms. And even back then, before I was really aware of these kinds of issues, that seemed like a bad thing, you know, sticking aluminum <laughs> under your arms is sensitive skin area. So I switched to um, one of those other brands. And so that was quite a while ago. So I'd been using these alternative deodorant products, but they always came in a plastic container, and they were just, you know, always a stick. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really feel like they worked all that great because I was noticing over time I was using more and more of it, you know, so just caking more deodorant on trying to have it work. But but really, they only seemed to last for about four hours. So I tried my friend Ariel's deodorant, homemade deodorant, and, you know, some people might not like the idea of sticking your finger mm-hmm. in your deodorant and then putting it under your arm, but like... Really Hopefully is. you would do that right after a shower or right after you were clean. Right, right. <laughs> and then you don't lick your finger afterwards. <laughs> so, yeah, you just... You mean uh, you can't use it as under eye cream? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a different kind of a homemade product you can make that doesn't have, doesn't have tea tree oil, perhaps. So, 
yeah, I put this on and then it didn't irritate my skin at all, which was fantastic. That's awesome. And then I noticed I smelled wonderful for like the whole day. And and even the next morning, I, you know, I was like, wow, like I actually stuck my nose in that direction. <laughs> and it's like, there's no odor at all. And that was pretty impressive how long it lasted and it didn't cause any skin irritation. So I was sold after that first day. And so I asked her for the recipe and she gave it to me. And it turns out there's all kinds of recipes online for making your own deodorant. And so I took the recipe she gave me and similar to how I cook in the kitchen, like I don't use, I don't measure quantities of anything. Um, so I just kind of started making my own and tweaking the recipe a little bit and playing around with the different essential oils to put into it. So what just, what goes into a homemade deodorant? Like what are like the base ingredients? And is this something you would have in your pantry? Like anybody would have, or is this something you need to go out and look for? And where would you find that? Well, I looked at the different recipes online and Ariel's recipe, and there's certain ingredients that are in all the recipes pretty much. So coconut oil, uh, cornstarch, arrowroot powder, and tea tree oil. And tea tree oil seems to be the essential oil that um, really deals with, uh, you know, keeping the odor under control. And the powders, um, like the arrowroot powder and cornstarch, seem to help with antiperspirant effect. Um, And then the coconut oil helps hold it all together. Now, the thing about the coconut oil is that depending on the time of year, it's either really runny or it's more solid. Um, so you have to kind of deal with that. Um, and do you use any kind of coconut oil or do you use like extra virgin coconut oil? Or I use the kind with a, a, a lemon infused into it. <laughs> Not, <laughs> so. I was going to say that defeats the whole purpose exactly. of aluminum free deodorant. Yeah. No, I think if you have a choice... Um, between buying a product that's organic or not organic, you're better off buying organic if you can afford it. Um, so just, just plain old or, um, coconut oil. And then I actually like the scent of lavender. And so I put lavender essential oil in there. Um, I'm secure enough in my masculinity to <laughs> smell like lavender, but really you could put any essential oils in there you want for whatever aroma you're going for. But you have, I think tea tree oil seems to be the one that really is required. And I discovered by accident that if you put too much of that in there, it's, it can, that it can make it a little intense. It can, you can burn your skin just a little bit. So, Oh yeah. That seems like really odiferous. <laughs> yes. Yes. So you can't go overboard with the essential oils and it doesn't really take much, just a few drops, you know, to, um, to work so but you know so i've been using that homemade deodorant for well over a year probably two years and then you start to realize wow like i'm not i'm I'm, well first of all you're saving a lot of money because making your own deodorant it's it's so cheap it's almost free i haven't costed it out but i'd be willing to bet that um you know, making a batch of deodorant that's equivalent to something you could buy for five bucks would probably cost you like, you know, 50 cents at the most. Yeah. And I think back in the day, arrowroot powder was used for like diaper rash. And I mean, you can use cornstarch to thicken up soups and sauces and make gravies. And then coconut oil is a good fat to to cook with. So these are things you're likely to 
have other uses for besides just homemade deodorant. So if you bought those things in bulk, there would be other uses. Exactly. Um, So then as far as sustainability, which is kind of the theme of your podcast, um, I think one of the bigger impacts of this is that you're not purchasing plastic containers. And so that wasn't really the main thing I was going for with my homemade deodorant. It was more like, you know, trying to not reek and to not bother my skin. So, yeah. So if you really think about the typical stick of deodorant comes in this um, plastic container that is often made of three different kinds of plastic, which makes them incredibly difficult to recycle. So the vast majority of them go into the, into the landfill. Yeah, I was reading an article the other day that single-use plastics that can't be, like, recycled actually can, like, take up to, like, 400 years to actually, like, decompose in the landfill. Right. And so to think about, like, those thousands and thousands of, like, plastics just sitting there. Well, I looked up a few numbers. So, um, basically, there's, there's 331 million Americans, okay? And out of those, there's 258 million adults. And 90% of people age 18 to 29 use deodorant. And 78% of people age 60 on up use deodorant. I guess once you reach a certain age, I guess. You don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Although I've heard that like old folks home have like the most just like random sex and like STDs <laughs> that carry around because people really just want some loving. So yeah. maybe they don't care about the smell at that that's, point. They're just what? Well, that's something for us all to look forward to then <laughs> in the future. But, um, you know, and, and there are, um, you know, if you think about a stick of deodorant that you buy, it might last three months if you're lucky. And so if you kind of look at those numbers and you assume that 80% of American adults use deodorant, that's 206 million deodorant consumers. And then they each use four sticks per year. That's 826 million deodorant containers going into the landfill every year. And that's just America. Are possibly being polluted into our oceans and getting stuck up a whale's Right. You know, I don't know. Or... It, it's it, it's not good. So um, it's sitting in a landfill, and while it's decomposing, it's probably leaching all kinds of horrible chemicals um, and taking up space. Uh, but but even going back a little bit, think about manufacturing a just a one just one piece of plastic for one person to smell good for three months. So. Well, yeah, there's so of, much waste that goes into just the process of making the thing, much less than the... Right. So, so much, um, so much goes into making one piece of plastic. You know, millions of years of those fossil fuels being created, you know, uh, and then all the environmental cost of extracting the oil out of the ground, refining it, um, which I'm sure that entire process is very polluting, and then taking that and making, you know, plastic, you know, putting plastic into molds to make these products and then shipping the product to wherever it is, whatever store we buy it from. Um, well, and, just the emissions that go into right. just like the large trucks that do those distributions. I mean, right. we can go on and on. I mean, obviously, I it's much better for the environment. 
right. to make your own. But people who are really busy and lazy sometimes, what are what's some words of wisdom you would give them to say like, hey, wake up, make your own deodorant. It's not that hard. And And how long do you think yours lasts? Like, I'm just thinking like when you say a mason jar, I mean, I do canning. So I think of like what I would put deodorant in is probably like a four ounce little jar or maybe like right. an eight ounce jar. I would say like a little four ounce jar um, could last you about eight weeks, six or eight weeks. Depends on how much you cake on there. <laughs> um, and to make a batch of deodorant, assuming you have all the ingredients in the house, takes about two or three minutes. It's very fast. Um, uh, and it saves you a trip to the store. Now, obviously, you have to go to the store to get the essential oils and all that so stuff. So, like, but... I know you said earlier, like, you don't actually measure things. But for people who've never done this, like, you know, first time embarking on anything novel, it's, yeah. it's kind of like you want to approach it with trepidation. But, like, proportionally, like, mm-hmm. you know, you say coconut oil, arrowroot powder, um, cornstarch, and tea tree oil. Like, what's the proportions of what? Like, if I were going to do a cup of coconut oil, what would I add to that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man putting me on the on the spot um <laughs> come on you want people to make their own homemade deodorant you got to give us an idea on how to do that and make um, it easy just google it no, oh, <laughs> that's the answer hey, to everything i've it? actually on many past podcasts i'm like when you're ready use google because there's a <laughs> lot of really great things but right. i mean just knowing that those are kind of like the four essential ingredients and i actually googled tea tree oil and it was actually traditionally used by the aborigines for centuries and actually, they used to crush up the tea tree leaves and extract the oil, which they actually inhaled to treat coughs and colds mm. and also applied directly to the skin for healing. Now, it says um, this is interesting because you said earlier that the tea tree oil actually kind of helped with the odor. And it actually says here um, some of the compounds in tea tree oil include terrapin for ol which has been shown to kill bacteria, viruses, and fungi. So right. that makes sense that you would... Be using tea tree oil. It seems like a good thing to put on your skin no matter what. Yeah, it says it can be used as a hand sanitizer, insect repellent, and it says here natural deodorant, yeah. um, antiseptic for minor cuts and scrapes, So, and it can boost wound healing. So I guess if you get a cut or something, it can help with the healing. It actually says it can fight acne. I did not know that. That's a new one for me for skincare. Mm-hmm. If you have any nail fungus, it's also really good. So there, there are tons of uses for tea tree oil. So if you go buy this stuff in bulk and have a bunch of it on hand, you're going to find multiple uses throughout the house right. for these products. So well, That's awesome. Yeah. I didn't know that. Well, getting back to the recipe, I would say if you have a cup of coconut oil, you're going to put in about, um, I don't know, half a tablespoon of cornstarch, half a, half a tablespoon of, of uh, arrowroot powder, and then like f- five drops of uh, tea tree oil and then five drops of lavender oil. That's probably what I would do. Now there's like a little bit of a trick to getting it mixed together. So you want the coconut oil to not be liquid, but you want it to be soft enough to stir it around. So it's almost like um, a whipped cream type of texture. So I, I like in the winter, I'll put some coconut oil in the microwave and loosen it up just a little bit but not so it's all the way liquidy and then put the stuff in, stir it up really well. And I bet you I could use my KitchenAid mixer to whip it up. You could. And then you would have enough deodorant to last about nine years. So, Hey, 
you know, I'm a prepper and one of <laughs> my second podcasts was on from PhD to prepper and it was all focused on like, what are some essential items and some of the things, you know, to make you more comfortable in a long-term survival scenario is hygiene. Oh, you don't want to smell bad when you're fighting <laughs> off zombies, I'm telling you. That's important. Although the smell alone might kill them, maybe they would be less <laughs> attracted or more attracted. I don't know. Yes. But just in general, like to make you feel more comfortable after you take a shower and then you're working throughout the day. And likely if there's no power, you're not going to have air conditioning when it's warm and you're going to sweat. Yeah. So it is nice to have something. And I don't think that's something that people think about stocking up when they're prepping. You know, they, they stock up on food and essential items like water, but they're not thinking about hygiene and smelling nice. And so if you can have these other basic products around to use for other things, because one of the things that I mentioned in that podcast was having fats to cook with is you have all this food stocked, but like, how are you going to cook it? And like, you need a fat Yeah. and coconut oil is a very healthy fat. And so this would actually be a really good prepper item to add to your list is have all the pieces in place so you can make a homemade deodorant. That's that's true. I just wouldn't wouldn't use all of your coconut oil to make deodorant. Otherwise, you'll be cooking with deodorant. Which well, that's why you would have again. multiple tubs. Of yes, coconut multiple <laughs> tubs of coconut oil is the answer. Um, so that's the story with the deodorant, and I've actually um, gotten a little bit evangelical about it. So I have made deodorant for friends and family, and gifted it. And um, anytime somebody. Um, I mean, the topic of deodorant doesn't come up that much in natural <laughs> conversation, but when it does... You mean that's not the first, like, question you ask on a date or, like, your first topic of conversation about yeah. deodorant? Maybe that's why I can never get a second date. <laughs> I think we're onto something here. That might be another podcast, but... Um, how to get listeners next podcast, how to get a second date. Yes. Or how uh, how to get out of a second date if you don't want one to start talking about deodorant. <laughs> the escape plan. But, you know, so I, I think I've, I've gotten some people interested in making their own deodorant. And because um, most of the people that I connect with are, um, you know, do care about things like sustainability and health and um, not weight, you know, creating the waste and things like that. No, absolutely. And um, I've never personally made homemade deodorant, but I've done a lot of like other homemade body products. Um, like I've taken beeswax from the oh. beehives. And I've mixed it with shea butter and coconut oil to make like a lip balm. Or I've just used shea butter and the beeswax to make like a body like salve. Um, I've also made like sugar scrubs. And coconut oil actually is a really good base for a lot of homemade sugar scrubs. Mm. It's really just coconut oil and sugar scrubs and any kind of essential oils you want to add. But that's really nice like in the shower or bath to rub on your skin. and. Oh, yeah. Not so much you need it here in Oregon, but like in New Mexico where it's like a much more arid, drier climate, your skin gets really parched very quickly. And it's nice in the shower to rub that on and like let it sit for like five minutes and then rinse it off. And you just feel very moisturized. And, oh, yeah. Um, so I've done a lot of that, but I think I have all the ingredients except the tea tree oil to make a homemade deodorant. I'm going to have to make a batch. We're going to make some deodorant um, today here. After oh, the podcast. okay. We can yeah. do it during the podcast. <laughs> Um, I, uh, I don't know. Dry skin is in, in Oregon. If your if your skin is dry, you just step outside. You know, in the rain. It, so. <laughs> that is true. Um, so, a couple other questions about the deodorant. So, like being like me, I I like the clear stuff, and I have to let it dry because it gets on my clothes. And like as a woman, I tend to wear tighter cl- fitting clothes, and so I have to right. wait 
I have to be strategic about what time that I put on my deodorant before I put on my clothes. Like, tell me a little bit about like, does this stain your clothes? Does this do anything? Is it, is it better use with certain types of fabrics versus others? Have you ever noticed or encountered something like that? Guys probably, you know, care a little bit less about that kind of stuff, but I have noticed that um, if I put on a lot of it and put a shirt on right away, that the coconut oil can kind of, um, you know, stain your shirt a little bit. So that's definitely something to be aware of. But I've also noticed that like there's been days where I didn't put on deodorant the next day at all because I forgot or whatever. Or now that I work from home mostly, I mean, honestly, <laughs> so, take a few, you know, so fewer showers are... <laughs> and stuff. Like, yeah, because it's just me and a dog and cat here all the time. So they're a little less bothered if I uh, aren't looking my best. But I have noticed with this deodorant, like if I put it on one day, it'll it'll last two days. It's crazy how long it lasts. And so you could think about, you know, for a woman who's concerned about that, you could put it on and then just have like some maybe time Like before you go to bed. Yeah. That way when you wake up the next day. Yeah. And that kind of I mean, depends on your yeah. showering schedule and stuff like that. So but, shower at night, put deodorant on, go to bed, wake up, it's dry for, right. for you to be able to not stain. Yeah, I just think about like oil and like polyesters and different non-cotton fabrics. They're probably more of an issue for for um, women's clothing rather than male clothing. Right. Yeah, no, but that is a consideration. I think that uh, that would take a little bit of research to, to figure out um, some solutions to that, you know. Maybe there's something else besides the coconut oil that could be used at the base, but um, hasn't really been a big issue for me. That's awesome. So, any other words of wisdom that you want to share about your deodorant making journey? Well, I think that when, when you when you kind of raise your consciousness about any one thing, whether it's deodorant or um, you know homemade makeup remover or um, anything, anything food related, it, it's going to permeate other aspects of your life and it's going to raise your consciousness about those things. So if you are making your own deodorant and it, and it gets you thinking about this plastic that you're saving, it gets you thinking about other plastics that you're buying and is there an opportunity to, um, you know, not, not buy those plastic items by making your own thing or looking for alternative products or um, being noisy with vendors about plastics, like, like write them letters and emails. Like why are you guys using plastic? Cause it's cheaper and they want to save a buck. Yeah. And that's, it's, but you know, the other thing too is speaking of that as consumers, we have to realize that in America, I'm not sure about other economies, but our e- economy is like 60 or 70% consumer spending. So our spending is very, very powerful. And every time you buy something, you're voting is how I've always looked at it. You're voting with your money. And so like when you choose not to buy a product because it's not um, created ethically or sustainably, or for some reason it doesn't align with your values, then they're not getting your money. You don't have to give them your money. Nobody's forcing you to buy a particular product. Um, and that's incredibly powerful. I mean, imagine if everybody in America just said, you know what? We're going to make our own deodorant. That'd be a powerful statement. It would be very powerful. It would just, it would, you know, we're, we're very powerful as consumers individually and as groups. And um, 
I think that there's there's a lot of potential for people to put together campaigns to raise awareness about things and to show how incredibly easy it is to wean yourself off of a, a badly produced product and, and to something that's more sustainably produced. And, and really what that is, it's part of a big, much bigger picture, which is another thing that I've, I've said many times is, you know, live your values. So if you say that you're really about sustainability, then show that in your actions because talk doesn't mean as much as actions in my opinion. Absolutely. So walk the walk. That's where you're going to see the actual change and literally walk the walk, walk to the grocery store instead <laughs> of driving. You know what I mean? ride a bicycle to work instead of, instead of driving. Um, there's just so many or for actions. people who live out in the country, raise your own food, do things right. like homemade because we don't have to bike to work. But right. yeah, there's... if you live in a city, absolutely. People should be, using bikes and, and also walking more places. Right. Um, so question is like, what, what are your values? What, what's really, really important to you? Um, and, and what are you doing on day-to-day actions that, al- that align with those values? So you're actually living your values as best you can, mm-hmm. but also realizing you're not going to be perfect. You know, if you, you, you could take, my life and dissect it and find things that I'm doing that aren't, you know, sustainable or whatever, but I'm trying. And I think you have to just realize that you're not going to be perfect. Um, but it's important to try because you're, then you're really being true to yourself. Well, and I think the, the main like ethos of this podcast when I started it was to get back to the basics, get back to our ancestral roots. And sometimes that means living more simply and living more simply sometimes is getting back to, the homemade ways of doing things and our ancestors and humans. I mean, I haven't even looked at this. I'm sure I'd go down a rabbit hole on Google, Googling about just historic ways that people um, use things in the environment to make beauty products. And I'm sure it's been happening for centuries. And I know that even just the history of makeup alone. So it's got to be simpler. It doesn't have to be complex and we can do things. Mm-hmm. We're smart enough. Um, and we've evolved so we, we can still get back to our roots and be more connected with nature. And, and I think that, you know, as I always say, every podcast is homemade is best. Yes. Like my last podcast was on making homemade alcohol. Well, why would you make homemade alcohol when you can go buy it? Well, yeah, you, you can still go buy it and support your local wineries and, local cideries and breweries and all that at all. But at the end of the day, making something, investing your time into something, it's much more meaningful. And that's where your energy is going. And it's simple and it's fun to, to make your own stuff. It can be. I mean, we all enjoyed like making crafts as little (laughs) kids, right? You're, you're grabbing stuff in the craft room and squirting stuff out of the glue bottle or whatever. Try not to eat the glue. Try not to eat the glue. Were you a glue eater? No, <laughs> I just realized now, boy, all those glue bottles are made out of plastic. Damn it. But no, but, um, you know, we like that. Kind Damn of stuff Elmer's. So, I know. We need to start a letter writing <laughs> campaign. I know. I'm surprised so, they haven't, I mean, and maybe it's just more expensive, but like more biodegradable packaging, like bamboo and hemp. And like, why aren't we trying to figure out how to use those 
kind of natural elements to make better packaging. I've always wondered about that. Oh, it drives me crazy. I've thought about that a lot with Amazon because, of course, Amazon... Um, They're is, the worst! Yes, they send They send a huge plastic. box and then there's like a little tiny package in the corner with all this like plastic bubble stuff. And I'm right. like, that doesn't make any sense. Even worse than that is a big plastic envelope with like a thing of vitamins in it or whatever. So that's that bothers me a bit. I have sent them... And this is just an example of like a simple activism you can do with something that resonates with you. So what I and I didn't convince Amazon of this, but I <laughs> sent them a pretty lengthy email and said, you know what, I would really like it if you would present me with an environmentally friendly package option, and I'll pay more for it, like another five cents or whatever. But have it be an option. And and what you could do is you could initially present it as an option and charge people. Yeah. An extra five cents, mm -hmm. which I would gladly pay. And then um, also make it so it can be by default packaging so I don't have to set that every time. And then eventually lower the price of that to incentivize you know more use of it. And eventually, over time, you flip it. So anybody who's going to buy something from Amazon, it's going to come in an environmentally friendly package unless you pay extra to get it shipped in something that's not environmentally friendly. And I think people would be more, like, happy to do that. I mean, I think there's tons of people who have similar ethos right. in terms of this single-use plastic and not wanting to pollute our environment. But, I mean, this is kind of the inequities that come up um, with this type of stuff is it usually is for those who can afford it or who, the, who don't work crazy hours who have the ability to do yeah. this. And well, so we also have to be mindful that, like, and it's not that I think these people intentionally want to pollute the environment, but that there are systematic inequities that exist right. that prevent people from from thinking and being more conscious about these things. And so how can we then work with our more lower income communities who may not have the privilege and power to be able to to invest in any of these things or do any of this because they may not have the time, right? That's a huge topic, but... Just to wrap up the Amazon thing, I was just thinking, like, if I got inspired enough, I would launch a campaign. Uh, I'd have to come up with the right, the right clever hashtag, you know, because that's essential for a campaign. Oh, yeah. But on a particular day, nobody buys anything from Amazon because they don't offer environmentally friendly packaging. That's the kind of thing that gets the attention of a, of a company. But, but even me sending an email might have gotten some gear turning somewhere in the machinery at Amazon to get them thinking about that and I'll keep bugging them about it. Um, but anyway, I'm a big, I'm a big advocate of, of activism, you know, even on a small scale, micro activism. Now it's like, as far as making stuff like deodorant, it does take a little bit of time. And I'm in a phase of my life right now where I have time to do that kind of thing. And when I had like two very active, um, young kids in the house, um, yeah, it would have been really hard to carve out the time to do that and, and to plan ahead to buy those extra things at the store that maybe you wouldn't normally buy. Um, but, you know, I think the way to look at it, too, is like it's something that you can involve your family in. So, yeah, you've got family time with the kids in the evening, but one of the things you can do with them is instead of watching TV or having them be entertained by electronics, you can make deodorant together and you, and, and that can turn like into craft maybe night. craft night 
because they love pouring stuff, you know, making concoctions and potions and things. And so make it fun and make it a family activity. And then you can also impart some of your values during that process because they might wonder, well, why are, why are we making deodorant? They might be too, too young to even need deodorant. Um, and then once they're teenagers, they'd probably be mortified if it's homemade deodorant. But, but you know, you could you can work around those kinds of things. But the reality is that a lot of the lower-income people out there uh, are just so strapped trying to just get through the day because a lot of them work multiple jobs. And the, the great irony and sad irony is that, like, eating healthy, like, is actually, I believe, cheaper than eating unhealthy, but it takes a little bit more time. And mm-hmm. those who are on the higher end of the socioeconomic ladder have the luxury of more time and more disposable income to buy all the core high quality ingredients to make stuff from scratch. So it's very inexpensive to make a big pot of black beans from scratch, make some rice with it, some sauteed vegetables and some kind of a sauce. And you've got like a nice healthy meal for the next three or four days. Well, New Mexicans, we got it down. We make a batch of pinto beans. So frijoles, Mm -hmm. pintos. We make, Spanish rice, so arroz, mm-hmm. and then we have um, our red or green chili, and then we have our squash for whether it's yellow squash or zucchini, and we make calabacitas, so there we go. New well, Mexico diet is not all that unhealthy. Right. We should make some of that after we make the deodorant. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, but that, it takes time to make the stuff from scratch and planning. Yeah. And No, it's a good point about having... The time, because I'm just thinking, if you want to eat healthier, for example, mm-hmm. that consists of likely more fresh ingredients, and that means you need to go to the grocery store more frequently. Well, and you have a- to live near a grocery store. Yeah. There's people. There's a lot of people in this country that live in food deserts where they literally cannot get access to a grocery store, um, or the only store that they can get to is is like a Seven Eleven type of thing. Um, like in Oak Ridge there, I forget the name of the grocery store there, but it's like super expensive. Yeah. I stopped there once to get some stuff driving over and I was just mortified at the prices, how expensive. It, and that's the only grocery store for like 45 minutes. That's why the prices are so high. So it's the people, classic supply and demand. So the people shop there and it's, it's a pretty, you know, manual labor kind of working class town and. I don't know how those people afford to shop there. It was ridiculously expensive. Yeah, it's, it's incredibly ironic that the more money you have, the more money you can save on uh, food. Because mm-hmm. you have more time to go to different stores to get the best prices on things. You have more mm-hmm. money up front to buy things in bulk. And you have more time to prep food. Like I can basically, I've been doing this for quite a while, but Sundays... I'll carve out like three or four hours and prep my food for the week. Saves me a ton of money. I enjoy doing it. It's way healthier. Um, But that's a luxury because like there's a lot of people that are working two full-time jobs just trying to keep their family afloat. There's no way they have the time or the energy to um, be, you know, making a bunch of stuff from scratch. And if you got like two hungry kids in the car you're exhausted because you just worked, you know, 11 straight hours. It's, you know, of course the temptation is there to go through a drive through and just get, get their stomachs full and get your stomach full, which is way less healthy, but 
that's just the reality. So, um, you know, that it's tricky for, Maybe you should start making like a bunch of homemade deodorant and go like donating it somewhere. I could. People would think I'm a little bit crazy. (laughs) (laughs) I have so many projects. Yeah, that would be an interesting thing to do. Um, Like just gift it. Actually, this would actually, I'm just thinking, this would be a really good like gift idea for Christmas coming up. I mean, if you celebrate Christmas, like this is a really... Nice gift that you can give people. Make I've, homemade deodorant. I've done it. Now, you can totally gift deodorant, you know, but, um, you know, what kind of message does that send? Like, I like you, but I wish you smelled a little better. <laughs> so, yeah, no, you can actually gift it. And um, and anything that's homemade. I think homemade products, homemade gifts always mean more than something you can just buy in a store anyway. Well, it's meaningful and thoughtful. Yeah. So, yeah. Anything else? Wow. We went on a tangent there, but that's part of the conversation. Tangents. Yeah. That, that, talk to me and there's going to be tangents. Um, I can't really think of anything else um, about deodorant specifically. So, and for the guys out there, I would just say, you know, you don't have to sm- smell like a lavender flower. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of other essential oils you can use. Little, um, is there a more manly scent that you recommend? <laughs> I don't know. I haven't really thought about it too much because I like lavender, and so like I haven't needed to look beyond that. It's my favorite. Because there's like scent. lemon verbena. I, I have tons of essential oils. Motor oil, like if they had a motor oil like essential oil, that would be. <laughs> I mean, Scentsy, you know the Scentsy bars. They have one called like leather. So I'm. Hmm. I don't think you can make an essential because essential oil is usually made from natural elements. Would that be like just completely defeating the purpose? Like <laughs> actually put motor oil in there. Like, <laughs> yeah, but that was uh, yeah. That probably make your underarms pretty charcoaly. Yeah. I guess you could add. Can you add activated charcoal to it? I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't want to say <laughs> yes to that. And then somebody does it, and their underarm catches on fire. So you know, Google it. Um, Google it. So, yeah, it's kind of fun, too, to, like, um, I think, anyway, which is how I cook. I, I find a recipe, I'll cook it, and then I'll just start altering it and, and turning it into something that, that I like better. And so the same thing with deodorant or any homemade product. you gotta you got to kind of learn the basics first, but then you can start tweaking it. Um, so where do you buy your tea tree oil from? Oh. I had, you know, that lasts a long time, so I can't even remember where I bought it. Probably just one of the local grocery stores here. You know, we have in Eugene, it's a pretty alternative minded community. So there's grocery stores where you will find all this kind of stuff, all organic products, a, a big selection of essential oils. But I'm sure in some parts of the country. Yeah, you probably have to go to Amazon. They would, yeah, they would think you're crazy. They're like, essential oils, what's that? You mean motor oil? And that's like, no, essential oils. Yeah, there's um, places like even in Albuquerque still that you'll ask for gluten-free and they'll stare at you like you're crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, it's a big country, very diverse country. So you, it just depends on where you live. But When in doubt, buy online. And I think there but, are tons of, like, essential oil natural companies that do direct shipping to oh, yeah. online. So I know that I've bought, I do a lot of soap making and I make my own bath bombs. And so I have a lot of essential oils okay. um, that you can buy. And I've bought some on Amazon, but 
I buy a bunch from a ton of different places, like soap making places. We're going to be mortified to hear this, but I actually been buying my soap from the dollar store. Because <laughs> they have like a really nice lavender scented, again, I like lavender. Uh, lavender scented bar soap that comes in just a paper. Pla- There's no plastic in the packaging. And that's... Have you looked where that soap is manufactured or you don't even want to know? Okay. <laughs> Am I going to make my own soap next? Hey, homemade soap. That's going to probably be a future podcast. Yeah, I'll probably like like um, delve into the soap world. Yeah. So I might even do a future one on some other like um, I have some homemade facial cream, some homemade body butters. And different kind of fun beauty products. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you, Bob, for sharing your expertise and time with us. I'm really excited to to make some deodorant and <laughs> hopefully get someone inspired. I mean, maybe it's not for everyone, but it's still kind of interesting to, to get your mind rolling. And then also to think about the be more conscious and mindful of the environmental impact of the products that you buy. And then also what I thought was really powerful that you said is just the power of the consumer and the choices that we have. And as I started with the podcast, it's so overwhelming sometimes when you go into the store, it truly is just all the different things. And, and me, I'm like an animal lover. I may not be like a vegetarian, but I don't want to be using products that were harmful to animals or even harmful to my animals. Um, so I definitely am mindful of that. Also another great company out there, um, there's definitely not one here in Eugene, but they're all over and there's one back in Albuquerque is Lush. They have a lot of great like natural bath and body and facial products that are really great. Um, and there's tons of other companies too that are pretty um, great when it comes to consciousness. But. I think we're seeing a lot more um, companies popping up that are um, making sustainable products and homemade stuff like even my neighbor's kid has an Etsy store where she sells homemade soaps and lotions and um, lip balms and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, people so, love that stuff. And yeah. um, even some lipstick that I've been buying is all like organic. Like there's actually like vegan lipstick mm-hmm. and like all, yeah, there's there's definitely a lot of makeup products as well. Yeah, so it's, it's exciting um, that we're starting to see those kinds of products in the market because people have choices and you you get to choose where you put your 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 dollars which are basically your votes awesome um, well thank you thank I'm you excited. this was really fun awesome thanks